Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Chat Markets, your favorite dairy podcast. We are closing out this week with a lot of red on the screen yet again. It was an international data release kind of week, so I stayed quite busy with European trade data, as well as their milk production for May. China released their June import figures, and New Zealand released both their June export figures, as well as production into the first month of the new season. Near the end of the week here, we did get an update on what U.S. milk production looks like, and at 2 p.m. Central, the USDA will release cheese and butter inventories as of June 30th. And of course, we'll chat a bit about those expectations, but we'll do that full recap next week. Of course, our customers will see our in-depth analysis much sooner than that on the dashboard. All right, Lucas, where should we start given everything that happened this week? (laughs) So much. It was quite the week. You are correct. Let's start with what's going on in Europe as that data came out earliest this week. And it's been a few days since we've written about some of that, but Prices kind of came off in euro terms, but in U.S. dollar terms with the currency shift, skim milk powder, whole milk powder, and butter prices actually increased from France and Germany as reported by the European Energy Exchange this week. What did you glean from milk production data, Alyssa? You know, May is the peak milk production month for most nations within the EU, and milk collections were disappointing. EU nations are collectively reporting a loss of 1.4% from prior year, the weakest reported since December 2021. Heat waves are expected to have hampered milk production further throughout the Northern Hemisphere summer as wildfires continue to rage across continental Europe, with authorities battling to control blazes across France, Greece, Italy, and elsewhere. In Spain and Portugal, more than 1,000 deaths have been attributed to their brutal week-long heat wave. Not a great outlook for milk productivity from the region. As a result, exports have also remained rather lackluster. Yeah, that's pretty crazy to see the heat there this week. And also just on the energy supply point, I did see that there was some gas that did restart flowing from Russia into the EU, but there remain a lot of concerns about exactly how much supply the EU can count on from Russia, not only in the next few weeks, but also into this winter when it will be critical for that supply. I think on Tuesday, it's important to mention we did have a global dairy trade auction And while we did anticipate some further weakness, both high ground expectations and SGX trader expectations called for some bearish results there, the downside did exceed what we thought with all products showing declines at this trading event. The market continues to attempt to find some balance after recent price highs. A lot of macroeconomic concerns have negatively impacted demand, and coupled with those additional offer volumes that Fonterra put on, uh, it needs to be cleared before New Zealand milk production really ramps up into into the season. Additionally, yeah, that Fonterra really sent a bearish signal to the marketplace last week when those additional milk powder volumes were placed on the auction platform presumably highlighting weak demand off the platform, but possibly driven by a committed sale that maybe ended up being canceled. So pretty bearish there. And the calendar is quickly approaching August when milk production starts to really ramp up in the region. And like you said, clearing inventories will be important before before more milk makes its way into plants. 
Speaking of bearish signals, China's import data of the top 10 dairy commodity suppliers into China during June, seven reported losses. During the first half of 2021, China's buying behavior was really frenzied and reached record highs, which continues to make it difficult to eke out any gains throughout this year, 2022, especially as millions of citizens were forced to stay at home due to COVID-19 lockdowns during a handful of those weeks in both May and June. Even into today, with consumption clearly backing down and economic uncertainty rampant, the COVID-0 policy is restricting movement in certain cities with mass testing causing backups. And that finally brings us back to the U.S. That June milk production report was a little bearish. I imagine that might be part of the reason class three milk is selling off here. Yeah, just slightly bearish here. Output was a little bit higher than we anticipated, but um, not by too much overall. High ground had called for a slight decline in June, and instead we got a 0.2% increase. So it's officially the first year-over-year milk production gain following seven months of declines. The miss was primarily driven by a, a pretty critical revision in the herd size. It's a little bit annoying to kind of constantly see these uh, cow number revisions over the past several months that make it a little bit difficult to forecast where exactly we're trending. USDA added an additional 14,000 cows to the herd in May versus their initial estimate. And then in June, an additional 4,000 head were added. So on a report-to-report basis, we saw a jump of 18,000 cows, which really kind of drove the, uh, the higher milk production versus our exact expectations. On a regional basis, uh, pretty similar uh, data yet again. I thought it was interesting that out of the top 10 milk-producing states, the top four were all higher versus prior year. That's really what pushed us up on a total basis. The, uh, the rest of the six in the top 10 were all down versus prior year. California shifting to higher yet again after a pretty steep decline in May, uh, driven by uh, 3,000 more cows in California with no change in yield. On a U.S. basis, milk per cow uh, was up 1% in June, and that's really aligned with that long-term average. It is also the strongest yield growth that we've seen in exactly one year. So uh, lots of things uh, conspiring there to push us higher. I do think that we are finished with the declines and we have uh, re-entered growth mode in the U.S. It will not be uh, as high as you know a 2% number that we are kind of used to over the past several years. But if we see half to 1% or maybe even slightly higher growth, due to some uh, pretty easy comparable values into the back half of the year, that wouldn't be unexpected. We are recording on Friday, just a little bit before we get the June cold storage report. So we're eagerly anticipating those cheese and butter numbers, which we will be able to talk about next week on this podcast. We also get Fonterra offer volume estimates next week. Probably not anticipating too many changes after the uh, uh, additional volumes that they added uh, for the auction this week, but always will be interesting to see how Fonterra needs to clear inventories there. Also, of course, watching macroeconomic data very quickly after some of these pretty significant price declines, not only in dairy, but across many different commodities. As always, reach out with any questions. We are here uh, when you need us. And with that, have a great weekend. Or if you're listening on Monday morning, have a great week. Cheers.
Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in receiving more information as well as our analysis, please visit highgrounddairy.com to request a free 30-day trial today. Futures and options trading involves substantial risk and is not suitable for all investors.